0: In the same way that there are artists who do essential work at the edges of culture, pushing boundaries and breaking rules that need breaking, there are also artists who do essential work closer to the heart or the center of their chosen culture. For two decades, Mike Donahue has taken the sacred trust of folks at the heart of his culture and led lovingly and faithfully now, Mike and I click pretty well, so our conversation actually began before the recording equipment did, <laughs> so you picked this conversation up in the middle of us talking about managing a diverse set of projects. Check it out. I am very staying on one of them.
1: Uh, well, I just, no, I just, I need to be all into one thing. So when I have to be doing multiple things at the same time, my brain feels like it's going to But suffer.
0: you're kind of always doing multiple things. I know. Do you have a calendar for that? How do you actually manage that? Like, what do you do? Like, because you... Like, your last year and a half, two years, uh, there was, like, a video podcasting, podcasting, book launch. You, like, did... It was fascinating to watch, like... Like, some folks do, like, a campaign to, like, launch a thing. You guys kind of did, as a band, like, the sort of campaign to end a thing. It was, like... So painful. It was fascinating. But, like, there was, like, an actual, like responsible we could talk about this in a minute like there was this sort of like responsible ending thing you guys did like you were responsible to your audience about like hey this is coming to an end we know you care about it so we're not gonna just kill it yes like we're gonna do the whole thing or the-
1: pretend like it's still going
0: or- <laughs> which is also irresponsible launch a solo career uh like you all o- you always have a few things happening Do you fly by the seat of your pants? Is it like, this is what I feel like doing today? Or do you actually have like a big calendar? You're like, okay, September, I'm going to do... Like, how do you manage all
1: that? Yeah, well, it appears as though I'm doing a lot of things. (laughs) But it's actually very segmented. Okay. You know, when you're writing for an album, you're just all in writing. Then when you're recording an album, you're just all in recording. Huh. Then when you're promoting it, you're usually just promoting it. And then there's months in between those things and so then i'm recording podcasts so then it appears as though i'm just going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing but it's none of it's actually happening simultaneously your
0: actual your actual like focus you are focusing concentrated time over the course of weeks maybe months doing a thing and then when it makes its way to the public it makes its way to the public in relationship to something else that you had worked on previously Okay.
1: It's all on the one. it's all a ruse. Yes,
0: it's okay. all a ruse. It's all a ruse.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to act like I'm doing a lot, you know. I say I heard a friend say about social media, he said, Never has there been a generation so diligent in capturing themselves in documenting themselves accomplishing so little.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's pretty strong, actually. This <laughs> is really strong. That hits so hard. It's a hell of an indictment.
1: Because it's not enough to produce art now. You know, like It's no. not enough to make a great song. It's, well, how did you roll it out? How did you market it? And, yes. and honestly, in music, I have a hard time because it feels as though the person with the best marketing plan is the one who's heard, not the one with necessarily the best song.
0: Yeah, well, that's always been true, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you and I both know folks who are like phenomenal, pure artists. Yes. And by pure, I shouldn't even say it that way. Like in the old school definition, like they're the pure artists where like, I don't talk about my art. Yes. I don't even care if people like it. I just make it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, is, you know, is that why you're also working at Trader Joe's?
1: Yeah, correct. <laughs>
0: like, correct. God bless you with your pure art thing. Um, but like they're like great Great work doesn't necessarily just filter its way out into the lives of other people. It does take some sort of like creative marketing thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's a both and, right? It's a both and. It's a both and.
0: That's where I don't know. Do you pay attention to Seth Godin at all? Sure. So his whole thing about art: his art is anything you create that facilitates a connection between people. Hmm. Like anything you create the facilitate that facilitates a connection or forges a connection. I'm probably making both those words up. He probably said something else. Yes. I've just said it so much now I'm trying to make it my own. <clears throat> it's a Seth Godin quote that I'm bastardizing, but like anything you create that forges, facilitates a connection between people is art. And so Seth's thing is if you do it and it's just like, it's just you and you like it, that's fine, but that's not art. Now I would I would say Justin would say like uh, that's journaling that's a form of journaling and that's great it's probably good for your soul yes but it really is like the intentional connection piece
1: uh,
0: or the the intention of connecting with other people in it that makes it art like Correct. now now we're actually doing art um would you consider yourself a pop writer because that's part of the trick right is like Art, pop, commerce—like, where do you fit in there? Like, like, so, do, so do you think of it? Do you think of it like pop? Do you think of it like industry? Do you think how does it work in your for brain?
1: For your listeners out there uh, that are familiar with the enneagram, <laughs> yes, most of them uh, are. Yeah. Uh, I'm a four-wing three. Okay, and on top of that, I'm a social four. So okay, I'm a counter type of a four. Yes. So ever, most people on first meeting me, they don't experience me as a four. They'd say I'm a seven. Hmm. Um, but I know, and my wife would tell you, oh no, you're definitely a four. <laughs> now, the problem with being a four wing three mm-hmm. is that I definitely want my art as a three wing to be pop. You want it to that, connect,
0: you, you care. Which is short for be, You popular. care that other people like it.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, well, I, you know, there's a side of me that says, well, what's the point of making it? If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it make a sound? Right. If I make this art and no one. Yes. You know, consumes it, what's the point? Right. But on the flip side, I'm not willing, if I was a three wing four, then my first question would be is it going to be popular? Yes. And then let's make sure it's popular, and then I'll try to dive into my heart and my soul and what matters to me. Yes. The problem with being a four wing three is it's immensely important to me for it to be popular, but even more important, it needs to be true for me. That's good. And the problem with being a four is I want to be completely unique, but completely received in community. <laughs> and community. And with there's kind of it's at a hell, odds. It's a hell of attention. Yeah, it's terrible. Do you ever have? Do you ever have
0: that? Uh, especially this deep into a career, do you ever have that sense of? I, you wouldn't even necessarily call it guilt, but that sense of like, ugh, like I sell. I, I'm selling work. Does it ever like wear on you that like? You, first because for some folks like they don't get into the thing from an, from a um, from a commerce standpoint because they don't want to sully the work they don't want to soil it they want they want to keep it like we we're saying pure. Do you ever have that sense of like crap like it's pop and and like like do you ever have that sense of like weird art guilt?
1: I get I get burnt out on the endless need for content. Huh. I ju- uh, do. You know Carlos Whit- Whitaker? Oh yeah. He just gave a great little thing on story fatigue. Yes. We just talked about statistically we're making more content every two days than all of humanity created from the beginning of time to 2003. Yes. like We're making that much content every two days. Yes. And so label, management, everyone, content, 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 yeah. content. And I'm kind of going, I go, I just want to make this content and let other people... Yeah. Make other costs. So maybe really my problem is I don't know how to delegate the marketing.
0: It's like a pacing thing then. Yes. It's like the, it's like, it's like weightlifting. It's like, I don't, it's not the weightlifting that bothers me. It's just that it's so much damn weight.
1: Like, I, I, I think I have to, what I ha- the problem is I compare my social feeds, which is the main thrust of how as an artist these days, Yeah. that's how you market. It's how you get your art to people. Yeah. Primarily, not exclusively. Um, but I have to accept my own limitations yeah. and go, well, this is how many times I'm going to post. Mm-hmm. And I actually ask myself, how often do I want to be on the internet? Yeah, And so friends say, well, that's a, no problem. You can just, you, you can just upload it all. Yep. And then you set it through this app and it automatically uploads every whatever. So you make all your content.
0: Like a Hoot suite or Correct. something. Along those I like go,
1: this. here's the problem with that. <laughs> Then I'm creating content, giving people the illusion that this is how often you should be on yes. these social media platforms. It
0: feels like a fake relationship.
1: Correct. Yes. I go, if I'm posting, I should be there. And I should only be there as often as that is healthy for me. Yes. Otherwise, I'm giving you a false picture of what healthy engagement looks like.
0: That is a real, that is like a, a full-blown, 100%, no-joke existential dilemma because (laughs) because there really is the there and and i think it's positive i think it's really good that there is this like innate desire to forge actual relationship with people Mm -hmm. like in art or in social media like uh, which is a form of art um and yet like the delegation of uh like tweets or posts to some sort of um here's how I want to say it. Um, I want to offer myself, this is part of what I'm getting at in the the book that I sent you is, is like you're the gift you're giving. So no matter what it is you're doing, you're the gift you're giving the world. So know that that's true. And if you are not healthy, you're giving a crap gift.
1: Hmm.
0: So then like if I'm the gift I'm giving, I want to be just like you said, I want to be present because I want to like, I want that and I want to be predicated on my health. But then isn't that selfish because I'm also trying to meet people where where they are and maybe it would be healthier if I spent seven hours on a Tuesday mapping out the next month of content and I'm not actually there online when all these things are going up. That's a, like an actual yeah. dilemma. Is it healthier for me to not actually like be on my phone six times a day or... Am I stealing something from people? I mean, that's a trip to actually walk through. Like, how do you have relationships with people as a public figure, as an artist and be healthy?
1: Right. Which is not the question younger folks coming up to me who've lived with social media their whole lives, they don't see it as an add-on to their life. They see it as an integral fixture within the fabric of their marrow. It's where they live. Right. So the question they're asking me is, how do I get more followers? Yeah. and I did this really healthy exercise and always <laughs> Last year I just posted a picture of myself I said ask me anything yep I will answer every single question And at the, at the time, I was sort of lamenting uh, I've kind of taken this big back step in my career because the band had all these followers and all these listeners and all this stuff And now as a solo artist I'm starting over yeah ah uh, this stinks I have so many less followers, so much less quote unquote influence. Yeah. Guess what? I said to my followers, to my minuscule following <laughs> on my solo channel, right? <laughs> and I And I say, hey, uh, you know, ask me anything. It took me two weeks. Just of to get to all the questions. Doing nothing but answering questions. Yeah. And I literally told my wife, I mean, it was we were all kind of locked down at the time. I said, hey, I'm just nine to five. This is going to be my job for two hmm. weeks. And not a lot, not everyone has that luxury to be able to do that, No. but it woke me up. Cause something I always tell younger people, they go, Oh, how do I get more followers? And I go, what's your name? Let's look you up. And they go, Oh, it's so-and-so. And I look them up. I go, wow, you have 386 followers. Yes. They go. Yeah. I go, you're crushing Jesus. Yeah. You are killing it. Homie, Jesus had, had, homie had 12. 12. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I mean, sad. yeah, he spoke to thousands too. So there's that argument to be made, but I go, yo, man. Uh, how are you faithfully serving this three hundred and eighty-six people? And
0: there's the ball game, right? Yeah. It's like if you have three hundred people, there are pastors in America who would maybe even literally kill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love <laughs> that we're both laughing at that. Depending on know the, it's
0: true. Depending on the the time of day and what's going on uh, at home, but like, who would love to have three hundred people regularly? Like at least agreed to pay attention. I mean, you and I both have been around enough pastors. They're like, how many folks are you know just want trying to prepare for the event? How many folks are you know regularly attend? They're like, oh yeah, five hundred, and they're like one hundred fifty people, but they really want there to be five hundred because they've had five hundred in the last six months. But the the choice to be, and this is where I actually I, I want to redirect your question: the choice to be responsible to the people who are paying attention to you. Like, that is in some ways that is the. Uh, and i'm I'm growing more comfortable saying this as more of <laughs> more of a reality than a question. That ends up being the actual question uh, with regards to social media. Like it not that it's not you know not we shouldn't ask questions about what platform to be on or like how to navigate algorithms, but as a human being, the healthiest question I think I can be asking is, how can I be responsible mm. to and caring to the people who are already paying attention to me? which takes us back to the conversation about pop and thinking about your audience. Yep. You've made, uh, you like I said, you dropped the book, you got a solo career podcast. Um, talk about, um, talk about having a public platform as a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll go through this doorway. Um, the the weight of responsibility because there's a weight of responsibility that comes with like it's one thing to be handed a microphone and and folks would like dance monkey dance just entertain us sing whatever it is about sex and bodies and whatever it's a whole other thing when people were like come in here have this microphone and we're going to believe the things you say spiritually religiously and we're going to make decisions about who we are like as persons and humans, depending on what you say, that's a completely different set of pressures. So like Nicki Minaj has pressure and I don't want what she has. Right. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to be trying to speak to, I don't want to be trying to speak to women right now about what it looks like to be a person in a body as a woman. Right. I don't want, I, I, I I, know. Yeah. You have a different set where like people were asking like, Hey, God questions, mm-hmm. God, humanity, religious practice questions. Talk about like the weight of responsibility for you. Is that a happy place for you? Is that a comfortable place? Is that like, do you welcome that? Or is it kind of like, I know I have to do this part. What
1: is that like? That's, a, that's a great question. Um, something I've said to a lot of young artists, sort of the conundrum about contemporary Christian music, for lack of better terms, yeah. that my band was a part of, um, that I will be seen as an artist of is that it's the only lyrically defined genre in all the music genres yes. in America. Yep. Except for instrumental, I guess you could argue. I guess, yes, and maybe yes. country, <laughs> but country even more so. Even, yes. Um, no, I think you're right. Uh, you know, because you have Christian hip hop, and then you have Christian rock, and then you have Christian metal, and then you have, and we'll all show up at a festival together, and none of our bands sound anything alike right but we're all there why because the lyrical content is the same and because of that what i've kind of realized being in my band for so long was people whether you like it or not they view you as a pastor yes and so i'd always kind of tell people hey you gotta don't deny that reality hmm. that's only that's only you're only you're just being irresponsible yes to be honest if you're just saying, oh no, 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 they don't view me that way. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That's they why they absolutely show up. do. It's the reason they're listening to you because yes. of the words. Yes, you know. So I, I feel, I do feel like I embraced that reality a long time ago. Okay, that for better or worse, people are viewing me as a pastor. Yeah. What that means for me, and I heard this said so so well uh, last week at church. Uh, my pastor said it's so fascinating that Jesus and his and i've actually said the same thing over and over uh, Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector are both part of Jesus's entourage yes who could not have been more diametrically politically opposed to one yeah
0: other. for their cultural context those were right right near the edges of
1: the extremes Simon the Zealot would have been storming the capital yeah actually would have been Killing people who supported vaccination or abortion or yeah. whatnot, to put it in today's terminology.
0: Yes. Very true.
1: And Matthew, the tax collector, was the ultimate, you know, turned his back on the conservative fundamental religious view and, you know, uh, sold his soul to the government, right? Yes. And Jesus calls them both yeah, to live amongst one another. Yeah. And the point the pastor made was that. Jesus, especially if you read his parables, he's always saying, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah. In other words, Jesus wasn't so interested in telling people what to think as he was teaching them how to think. Yep. And so when I embrace that, it it frees me up to not feel like because let's be honest, I know people who are not religious at all that have big social media platforms Mm -hmm. and they just have to weigh in on everything that ever happens. Yeah. And I go, I I appreciate that you're wanting to speak into anything, but after a while it starts to ring, like you're just using the news. Yes. To gain more exposure for yourself. Yes. It's all hot takes. And that you don't actually care for the, because if you actually cared for the people that were paying attention to you, you would know they don't have capacity to care about all these things. Cause you don't really have <laughs> capacity to care about all these things yeah. that if you really care about certain things, you're going to care about it when it's not popular. That's good. And when it's not the thing that everyone's talking That's really about. Good. Um, so for me, it's kind of freed me up that sometimes I weigh in on stuff Yeah, and I always try to just get people to think, you know, it's why as a, as a CCMRS, I did a couple posts on alcohol. Yeah. Uh, last year, well, yeah. of course, I'm in the pandemic, and there was nothing else to do. <laughs> but to, just start. Everybody start. was drinking,
0: so let's talk yeah. about how this is yeah, going to go. Yeah, yes.
1: and uh, I had a, It was a really fun, and one of the greatest compliments I felt that I had received. Some people may not want this as a compliment, but several people said. Part of why I like following you on this platform is because I feel like you have shown me how to disagree well with people. That's good. In fact, I'm writing a second book right now, and it's on the art of disagreement.
0: Perfect. Like,
1: uh, yeah. Because yeah. that's not relevant to today's society. That's not a thing happening every day. All day.
0: Um, talk about mind change then over the course of, uh, of uh, over, uh, over the course of time. So <clears throat> um, I do a, I do a Monday Q a on Instagram most every week. and I would I, I would say probably a, one out of every 10 questions I get includes the word deconstruction and it's almost this will be mean. Um, but it's true. It's almost always relatively misused as a term. But what folks mean is like, I don't believe what I used to believe. Mm. Um, and that's, and I'm, and I feel disoriented. Mm. Um, along with the responsibility of like shepherding people in some way, shape or form. Again, it's different as a pastor to some degree who's like, as a, like an official pastor, someone who's got like a license and they've got a congregation. But over the course of years, cuz you're you're how old now? 40. Well, you don't you don't see the world at 40. You don't see God at 40. Mm-hmm. You don't see yourself at 40 the same way you did when you were 26.
1: Absolutely. You change your mind about things. Wonderfully.
0: Talk about the responsibility, like the tension between like responsibility, mind change, seeing the world differently. Like when stuff twists and changes and you're not sure about stuff like do you lead people through that? Be like, hey, I'm not sure of these things. Well, I mean, you and I both have a really good, uh, I have a, a good friend of mine, but you guys have, you and I have a friend in John Steinberg. Yeah. Uh, Steingard, Steinberg. He's <laughs> good friend, Steinberg. Uh, Steingard. Stein, Steingard, who um, would no longer consider himself a Christian. I would say, just paying attention, like I think he's being really responsible with his process and like, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And he's doing it publicly. He's doing it out loud. He's having conversation about it. Yep he's changed his mind and he came to the table and said, I can't, I can't lie to you anymore. Yeah. Um, how, like how far is too far in terms of sharing? Like this is, this is where I'm actually at with this. This is in terms of disagreeing. Well, again, it's one thing you're like over beers with some friends, you know, at a spot in East Nashville. It's a different thing if it's like 40,000 followers on Instagram right, 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 and you're like, yeah, I don't actually see it that way.
1: I mean, my short answer to that, I have a lot, that I've been, I'm thinking in yeah. response to what you just said, but my short answer to that is as much as you can take. That's good. You know, some people can take that kind of scrutiny and kickback that they're going to receive, and some people can't. And Steingart admittedly, wasn't expecting Fox News to run a cover story on it, right? Um, and very responsibly reached out to a lot of his friends, including myself, before he posted. Yep. And said, "Hey, I, you know, I'm having this." sort of crisis of faith and just want to let you know, I feel like I can't go on any longer. Yeah. I feel like I'm living a lie. Yeah. And so I commit, I, I always admonish people. You must find a safe place Hmm. to confess your, your faith conundrum to confess secret sins to confess whatever you need a safe place to be yourself. Yeah. Some people are able to expand that safe circle even into the unsafe places. Yeah. Some people are not. Right. And sadly, some people try that and dang it. They tried a Jimmy Fallon. What I mean by that (laughs) is the first time they tried to, to get vulnerables, they were met with. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, they were pushed back and so they go back into their isolation. Yeah, Yeah. And I feel like, Deconstruction and pornography are really related to me. Interesting. In that they've all they've both always been there. Yeah. But the internet is just making it way easier to get.
0: Okay, it's good. Like yeah. someone
1: who deconstructs, where could you have done that before? Yes, With social media. You would have had to go to someone face to face and start and there was just so much Or cultural... you would have had to
0: like go to philosophy class and read Derrida. Yeah, you know sake. what I'm saying? Which please do. If you're but you But you
1: eventually to, to discuss those ideas, yeah. you would have had to find another person to much,
0: much more concentrated effort at the time.
1: Like and when I was in middle school, you know, I had friends who'd get Playboys and they would have to get an older brother to go yes. into the <laughs> the, you know, and there was just a, it was much a racket you had to like was develop a vulnerable yes. To be honest, like you had to lay yourself bare yes. to acquire both those, those things. And now the internet has made both those very, very easy to yeah. happen. Um, and by that, I mean deconstruction is just the in vogue term for something that's always been there. It's yeah. what Jesus asked his disciples to do. Yes, They had to completely deconstruct the prophecy of the government will be on his shoulders. Yeah. You know, they were thinking Jesus was gonna be a radical militant, you know, political savior freeing physical Israel from Roman yeah. occupation. And he didn't come to do that at all. Yeah. And then what a letdown. And they had to deconstruct. And so at first blush I say, everyone is actually required by Jesus to deconstruct hmm. who they have come to think that he is. Yeah. Um but I will say there's a safety, there's a there's a misplaced safety on two polarities here, on yeah. two poles. The two poles are either you don't acknowledge any of your doubt and you are just 100% certain. Yeah. People love to follow an absolutely certain person. Yes. Who has no flaws. Yeah. They also love to follow someone who has no answers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the utter mess.
1: There's like safety on either pole. Yeah. And so I go, cool. It's awesome that you don't know what you believe. But if you're going to just camp out there and yeah. just ex nay every belief that everyone has. So like for, to go back to John, I thought it was really interesting. You know, we had, we've had a lot of great talks and he said, one of the interesting things that happened to him is he got invited on all these militantly atheistic podcasts. Yes. Who then were really disappointed as they started talking to him and realized
0: he wasn't, he wasn't there to to burn it down. Yeah. He's
1: like, no, 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 I'm not there. I'm I'm in process. Yeah, exactly. And that was really frustrating. Yes. So, uh, I think the tension for all of us is to walk. When I think about act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. um, Hmm. I think about walking righteously is like integrated, you know, and integrating your faith and your doubt together. Yeah. And your fear and your courage together. You know, one doesn't obliterate the other. In fact, you have to, have doubt in order to have faith. You have to have fear yes. in order to have courage. So-
0: well, there's so- a humility when we talk about that middle space between two kinds of two kinds of certainty, where because they're really ultimately about certainty, right? Is like if I if I'm doubting everything, if like I, I don't know, I'm like one, both. If we're talking about you know two people on either end of the spectrum, both of y'all are lying. Like, yes. if you're like, I I don't have questions, I'm so, I'm solid on my philosophy, my politics, my theology, everything's locked in. You're, one, you're lying. Yeah. Two, if you're on the other side of that, you're like, yeah, I just, I don't have any allegiances to any kind of ideology. I don't know anything about anything. Like, okay, you are also lying. Because there's a humility that comes from saying, like, I don't really have all the answers. There's also a pretty significant humility of saying, there are some things that I'm actually sure enough of that I'm banking my life on. Yes, and I live every day with these relative, at least relative certainties. Yes, um, there is a humility, to, to, again, to be public about it and be like, here's some things I'm relatively certain of as a as a person of faith. Like I'm I'm relatively certain that Jesus rose from the dead. Like there is a humility, like there was a time, I think before it was like maybe a couple weeks ago, I guess when it was like, that was the safe thing or whatever. Is so that be certain? But now it's like, if you're going to say anything at all about like, here are things that I'm relatively certain of, you're going to get throat punched. You're going to, you're, you're going to be questioned. And there's a humility that comes from saying here are things that I'm actually sure of or certain of enough to live a life. Hmm. Which is when it comes, you know, that's when like, that's why I get nervous around people's overuse of the word deconstruction because deconstruction is, is very much like all the stuff that I had centered my life on. Like I thought there was a center. This is the word I used to associate with that center. I recognize that as a word and I don't know what it means anymore. And now I'm decentered.
1: You know, and you, you just saying that that's scary place to be because the universe doesn't Operate that way. It does not. It might something might get thrown out of orbit. Yep. And it finds a new orbit.
0: It finds a new orbit.
1: And yes. so yeah, your center might be rocked, but you're going to have to find a new center. Yes. Of who God is, what He requires of you, what yes that means.
0: Well, that was the heartbeat of Derrida uh, of Derrida's uh, whole thing with regards to uh, uh, with regards to deconstruction. Is it begins with the the admission that I want there to be a center.
1: I, I think. So I, I'm starting my book out with this thought. Yes. Uh, the book. I don't. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you the title, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, it's going to be called Grace in the Gray. Cool. And the idea is, even in the universe, you can see in our daily experience on the planet, there is there is light, there is darkness, and then there's gray. Yes. Like sunrise, the the dusk. Yeah. And dawn. There's a gray there, yes, where the, the the sea meets the sky, where the fog meets the river water. Like there are yeah. these gray spaces. There, there is certainty, and there's gray. Yes, you know, and it's not either or.
0: Yeah. And to trust um, something other than one certainty in order to lead well becomes then the actual trick. To trust that like I'm in a process. So when you just the thing you just said that like. You will be thrown out of orbit. You'll pick a center. You'll yes. choose one. Yes. You will, be, you will be thrown out of orbit. Can you trust that as you're thrown out of orbit, you will eventually orbit around something else? That's first and foremost. And then to be able to lead that way and be open with that process publicly, because that's where everyone else is anyways. Right. Um, you're writing, um, you have a book, the book drops when? The next book?
1: Uh, not till next fall. Um, like I said, see, it's gonna feel like it's gonna feel like just the, doing have stuff. Her. Yes, it's all an
0: illusion. Um, you uh, you just released a record, uh, solo project, full length thing. Talk about for a minute. Like the, the is it is it attention when you think about who you are as an artist? Are you, is it like I'm an artist? Is it like I'm a songwriter who writes? I'm an author now who used to make music and still kind of does. That's like a great what, question. What does that feel like for you?
1: I so our band ended. Um hopefully this communicates to anyone who's had big shifts. Um our band ended right before the pandemic. Yes. And our farewell tour was canceled. And I spent a couple months at the beginning of the pandemic going, Well, maybe that's it.
0: Hmm. Mean for you. Yeah, musically. Yeah.
1: I guess, I mean, maybe I should double down on this book thing, position myself, because I have a friend who does a lot of like mental health work, and he's always talking about phases of life, and there's a war for a man, there's a warrior phase, then a king phase, then a sage phase. Yes. It gets ugly when you're being moved (laughs) into the next phase, but you're still fighting to be the other phase. And so, am I Like still fighting to try to be this warrior, and build something new. And, uh, and so I started really wrestling with that. And in order to wrestle with that, I started writing songs hmm. to figure it out. Yeah. There's this, uh, scripture in the Psalms where David says, I incline my ear to wisdom and with the music of the lyre, I will solve my riddle. That's good. So I've always viewed songwriting as, and you said this in your book, um, as therapy yes, or as an unriddling. So I'm going, okay, what am I supposed to do? Who am I? Where's life going? So I start writing songs about it. And then I can't stop writing songs about it. And then I write more <laughs> songs last year than I'd ever written in a year. Really? And then I go, well, maybe I, wow. Ooh, I actually enjoy this more than anything. Wow. And I'm always a big fan. People are always trying to say, what are you, who am I? What's my identity? You know, <laughs> Yeah. What am I supposed to do with my life? And I always go back to the Frederick Buechner quote where he says, your, your, your calling is where your deep passion and the world's deep hunger meet. Yes. And so I just went, oh man, I think my deepest passion is still music. It's wow. still songs. And until that shifts, I'm going to primarily view myself as that's my calling. That's good. That's where my deep passion seems to be meeting the world's deep needs. Hmm. And... Once people go, actually, we don't really think you should keep writing songs. You should do something else. More and talk, when, less rock. When, and of course, this goes back to your own metrics and what a success to you. But yes. when it feels as though this isn't my deep passion and it's no longer meeting the world's deep needs, when one of those two things changes,
0: then yes. I need to have a change. Let's land it here. When talk like, about, that was a really convoluted answer. No, it's, no it's great because what, what you're communicating is is a, again a comfortability with process and also the essential aware like self-awareness that comes with actually making art. That if I'm not paying attention to myself and how I feel in it, I'm gonna miss my own moment.
1: Yeah, and I'll probably
0: uh, and I, and I will because you should be. This is this is how I coach people. You should care. What other what other people think? What other people think does matter. The trick is always like who and how deeply. That's it. Yeah. But what other people think should matter. The other side of the coin there mm-hmm. is like I can get lost in that and stop paying attention to me, and then I am a slave to other people's opinion, and now I'm a different kind of machinery. So there is. I like that you communicate some process in there. Like okay. I, I'm I, I'm until I feel a shift here. This is what I'm gonna do, and then I'm like, oh, I felt a shift here. I'm
1: also passionate about writing and doing all these other things. So I'm doing those as well. Yes. But if you ask me, you know, who are you right now? And I would say, you know, I feel like an artist that primarily deals in the medium of music and song. Yeah. Uh, but I'm comfortable with that medium changing to words exclusively. Yeah. If that comes to time.
0: You said the word success, and so I want to I want to land the plane here. I, I've told this story a few times, but when I when I started playing, and this is this is in the book, so if you you might remember the story is um, when I signed a record deal for the very first time. Like I wasn't playing music. This and, is a great story. And Frank Frank said, uh, you know, hey, you think have you thought about playing music? And I said, do you like the songs? And he said, no, I don't like the songs, but I like you. And he would come to this town, and I, t- I, I mostly. I tell this story a lot when I'm here because it's like, this happened in your town. Um, Came to Nashville. I'm at a showcase. All the label executives are introducing all their artists, and they're like, this person's amazing. She's going to blow your mind. This is going to be great. They're handing out free stuff. People know the songs. And Frank gets on stage and says, this is Justin McRoberts. He's not very good right now. That's his introduction. I play a song. It is, in fact, not very good. And then the thing he said before I played the song was, but... Um, I think most of the artists you saw this morning, and he was right about this, won't be making music two or three years from now because it's hard to do this. I think Justin will be making art 15 years from now and I think it'd be really good. So I'm making a long-term investment. Hmm. If you want to make it with me, great. If you don't, I don't care. And they walked up the stage. It was fantastic. Legend. Um, success. Yeah. It's 15 years from now. What will it mean, like, by what metric? What will it have meant for you to be successful 15 years from now? Hmm.
1: What a question. I was just thinking as you were telling that story, I was in my college dorm room, and... My buddy, Jeff, who became the guitarist for 10th Ave, taught me a song by an artist named Justin McRoberts. <laughs> and I remember learning on the guitar, oh, okay. after my all has been run through, Oh my gosh, give my that's so me long ago. You. And I don't know, I think success would be 15 years from now, I'm interviewing an artist and they go, I learned your song in my college. Day. Oh,
0: that's really good.
1: To to put it to put it really succinctly to give you a real picture, um, when 10th Avenue North we won a Dove Award, uh, Christian Grammy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my, I say to my buddy Corey, he's like, "What's this? Is not politically correct." So <laughs> I said, "What what's it like being you know a big Christian artist?" I go, "A big Christian artist it's like being a tall midget." I yes. suppose. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly. a sub genre. <laughs> yes, you know it's not. Which most genres of music are subgenres. So yeah. That's actually comforting, you know. Uh, but we'd been given a Dove Award for a song, and they hand it to me, and I'm feeling like a big shot. Yeah, I got a song of the year, bada bing, you know. Yes. And then as we turn to walk off the stage, the trophy, the, the bird, the dove, breaks. <laughs> <laughs> The bottom no, it doesn't. falls off. <sighs> it's just the felt bottom. It doesn't completely break apart. No, but, but the, the felt thing has a bottom, bottom of the stand falls off. Oh, that's I, so good. So suddenly I have two pieces of trophy in my hands, and they're whisking us backstage. And they say, You know, right this way, we got to get you to the press room.
0: Yeah.
1: And we turn this corner, and there's a girl with a headset. She's volunteered to help direct traffic backstage. And I look up at her, and she looks confusedly down at the trophy, we have this moment and then she kind of shakes her head and then she goes, Oh, Hey, you guys are 10th Avenue North. I said, yeah. And she goes, um, that song, you just won song here. I go, Oh yeah. She goes, yeah. Uh, heard that song for the first time in my dorm room last year and completely changed my life. Wow. Completely changed the way I see God, see forgiveness. Thank you so much. And, it's just such a beautiful, just stark contrast of here I have a broken trophy, of this is success. Yes. But her to change
0: life in front of me.
1: Yeah, her yes. telling me that story. And it's easy to say that. I I was gifted the actual experience firsthand. Yes. And so when I'm tempted, I get lost in the metrics, as we mm. all do. Lost in the metrics. I'm um, remind I have to keep reminding myself. That if I could just talk to one of those people face-to-face, yeah, it would shift me and That's make me good. feel like what I'm doing is important. That's beautiful. Dude, thanks for your time. Thanks. Love That's
0: great. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Etsy Podcast. If you'd like to follow up with Mike and his work, you can just jump to mikedonahay.com, And from there, you can jump to his books, his music, the stuff he's spoken on. And if you'd like to be part of the team of people who make this podcast happen, go to patreon.com backslash Justin McRoberts and join the team. We would love to have you. Until next time.